Yes. Making a video. Making a video. episode, returning guest Lee Beckman and I are going to continue working our way through the entire Friday the 13th series. In the first half, we made it to part 7, so we'll be starting right where we left off with Friday the 13th, part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan. I'd like to thank everyone for tuning in and listening to Rank and Review. Please do us the service of telling your friends about the show. Please find us on Facebook, find us on iTunes, subscribe to the podcast, and send feedback to rankandreview at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. That's it. No more ado. Here comes part two. Friday the 13th, part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan. Don't you mean Jason Takes Vancouver? Yeah, I was about to say, it's probably more a lie of a title than the final chapter was. Yeah. (laughs) Because uh, this movie filmed two days in New York, and the rest of it was all in and around Vancouver. The place you go to shoot horror movies cheaply. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, At this point, Paramount had sort of been... Had almost given up on Jason Voorhees. You could see that the end was coming. Yeah, the uh, end was nigh. This is indeed the last of the Paramount uh, phase of the Friday the Thirteenth, and um, I, I mean, I guess from a marketing and sort of a concept, you know, standpoint, it's not, it's not without promise. The idea of Jason Voorhees surrounded by millions of people in a bustling metropolis, like how would he handle it? Mm-hmm. How would they handle it? Yeah. The problem is, is that's not what this movie is. No. Uh, it's just... It's a lie. Yes. The movie lies once yes. again. Well, I mean, really, not even sort of Jason Takes Vancouver. It's Jason on a boat. A lot of this movie, and I mean, you know, legend goes that, you know, they were going into this project initially with a bigger budget, but it was, you know, cut dramatically. So they had to trim not only, you know, change locations, but trim some of the city scenes. It just seemed like the more they peeled back, the more they peeled back, the more the less tenable it was to do yeah. this movie. Yeah. If you don't have the budget to make Jason Takes Manhattan, don't do Jason Takes Manhattan. Do Jason Takes Vancouver, you yeah. know, but like or uh, just you know, you know, Jason is finally back out of Crystal Lake again. Yeah, and is Crystal Lake a lake now, or yeah. is it like a? Connected to a river or some sort of chain of water that would somehow lead it to the ocean, which would somehow... uh, And again, they don't even try to explain it. Uh, And maybe it's 
dumb of me at this point to expect that they would. Mm. But it's just, like, they had the concept, go make a movie, oh, but we're not going to give you any money, oh, but you can't have any real violence in it, go yeah. make your movie. Yeah. What yeah. do you do? What do you do with that? I'm not... I, you I make a movie. Yeah. Hey, I mean, like, who is the director of this? Uh, the man who directed it, he worked with the, the original TV series of Friday the 13th. Yeah. Friday the 13th, part 8 was written and directed by Rob Hedden. And, uh, yeah, there was a TV series, Friday the 13th, that, of course, wasn't about Jason Voorhees. It was but, more of yeah, an yeah. anthology horror movie, but it was all made in Canada. Cronenberg did episodes, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, let's face, uh, the Sweet Hereafter... Uh, Adam Agoyan. Agoyan did some episodes, so... Uh, anyway, uh, he got the gig because... He knew the producer, the producer liked his work, and we're doing another Friday, welcome aboard. Yeah. And, like, there are a lot of large and loud problems with the movie, but I'm not going to put it all on him, even though he is indeed the writer and director, and that seems, if not to him... Well, I mean, the idea of of taking, you know, a very violent serial killer into, you know, one of the murder capitals of the world was sort of, you know, I could totally see the the idea was there. You know, life and dis- decisions decided to, you know, sort of alter the film. So, yeah, I I do feel, you know, sort of sorry for him that he didn't get, you know, his true vision up. But Yeah. But after a point, like I said, once they've made the decision, okay, now instead of three quarters of your movie happening in mm-hmm. New York, now one quarter of your movie, or basically the last 15 minutes-ish, will happen in New York. And even that, most of that are back alleys in rainy Vancouver. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's definitely the big Times Square sequence, which is legit. But yeah. <clears throat> other than that, and a few exterior shots of Lady Liberty. Um, yeah. And it's interesting. <clears throat> the film looks different. You could totally tell that, uh, you know, there, it was shot in the States, obviously, because of the, the New York stuff. But it just, it looked a little different. The second that, you know, it went to the back alleys, which was clearly Vancouver... It looked different. Yeah. What can you explain? What what, what is it? Just because... Well, I think they had two days to shoot in New York, and they were probably the two most expensive days of production. Yeah. So they were the most considered and the most, you know, they brought in, you know, the A equipment and the A team for that day, you yeah. know. Um, anyway, we've, we've talked around the movie, but not really about it. The premise is, such as it is, Jason is clumsily resuscitated by, he happened to to die on top of an electrical cord, which and he gets got anchored, again. and he is, once again, reignited Frankenstein style. Um, he kills a couple of lovers on a boat. Yep. Um, special award to the female victim on the boat for stupidest, stupidest victim yes. uh, in Friday the 13th. She history. decides to hide in the she boat? She hides on the boat. You're surrounded by water, the shoreline is there. You have time to decide where you're going to hide, and you hide on the boat you don't swim for your life stupid 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 yeah um anyway the graduating class of crystal lake high school which is apparently a thing now too yeah is going to go on a cruise ship to van to vancouver there you go to vank york yes (laughs) and guess who hitches a ride jason um the only kind of clever in quotation sort of new elements added to this is that uh, our survivor girl in this movie uh, seems to have some sort of psychic link with Jason. When she was a young girl, she was being taught how to swim by her evil uncle. Mm -hmm. She's thrown into the lake. She has a vision that young Jason tries to drown her. And they have the same weird sort of echo psychic connection. So weird echoes of part seven here. 
yeah. reverberating uh, in another psychic link. She's not, she doesn't have any telekinetic powers herself, but she seems to be able to understand psychically yeah. Jason's backstory and where Jason's coming from. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's sort of a weird little side story. Almost didn't need it, but I mean, it's it's interesting that it, it does sort of kind of connect with Seven a little bit, that here is another being that somehow, you know, is psychically linked to Jason Voorhees in, in some sort of way. This is the also the last Friday the 13th of the 80s, mm-hmm. and even though it's the dying day of the 80s this is being made, it's in a way one of the most 80s feeling of the Friday the 13th movies. There's a lot of loud and proud shoulder pads and super big, you know, rock star hair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's sort of hard to take the character seriously. For me, I would just like... It's somewhere between nostalgic and shame because, you know, what? once upon a time when I was, you know, 13 or 14, mm-hmm. these people would have been cool. Right? Yeah. <laughs> well, this is the time of of Arsenio Hall. And yeah, such. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, even like, like I said, the lighting, the lighting and the look of the film is very much 80s. Um, you know, we have to throw some, you know, love out to, you know, and along in a great line of or history of yet another star before they were somewhat famous. <laughs> Kelly, who is in this film? No, oh, that's right. Who went on to like X Men and Scorpion King, and she's in a TV show now yeah. too. Yeah, I don't know. I think this is also a sign that that Paramount is a whipped puppy as far as the ratings board. They're not even really trying anymore. Yeah. As far as trying to get away with anything with the gore, they know they're not going to be allowed to show the gore, so they don't even really have much to it. Yeah. Um, it, it it starts to feel very exhausted. They're, you know, running out of ideas when, in some ways, they didn't have to. Yeah. Um, We've seen know. all these kids before. Yeah. The premise could have been novel if he got to New York and actually did some business there. But I'm also a little bit uncomfortable, frankly, and I'll admit this, to have him outside of Camp Crystal Lake. Yeah. In a way, I just, you know, keep it simple, stupid. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. They almost, I mean, I, I understand why they have to do it. Yeah. Um, They're going to take him farther away from Crystal Lake in subsequent entries, of course. But, uh, I don't know, I think more successfully. <laughs> yeah. Uh, any standout kills for you? from? Point well, I think it has one of the best kills of the, of the series. The fight up, up uh, on, the, on the top of the building, the boxing match, if you yeah. will. You see the death coming a mile away. The second he... That sequence sort of starts. He's like, Jason's going to punch his knock head his off. Knock his block off. Knock his block off. Yeah. Um, I mean, not a gory scene per se because of the NPA. It's funny, but there is definitely, once they get to New York, yeah. there's sort of a series of events where we get inevitably down to our last girl. Yeah. And it, it, it seems like almost people go willingly to their deaths yeah. because that's the scene that we're in. This is the yeah. scene where I die, so I stop thinking rationally and die. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, again, but it was more funny than scary. And yes. I don't think for me it would rank high in the list of best kills in the series. It might rank high in best kills in this particular movie. Yeah. Really? <laughs> but uh, um, I, I just sort of hadn't really seen Jason. I've been waiting for Jason to actually punch someone to death. Yeah. This is one of the benefits that's still echoing from... Uh, Part six, yeah. when when they officially made him Super Jason, so yeah. his strength is just whatever it needs to be to accomplish the cool kill. Yeah, and uh, yeah, use it in that event. Yeah, no, you can't punch somebody's head off. Yeah. No, <laughs> you can't. But uh, we enjoy that, and yeah. like we get 
a head camera. We get head vision as it spins off the top of this huge. So, I mean, I applauded that. I, I thought that was kind of cute and charming. Going towards the end of the Symphony of the Banal, um, <clears throat> I think also we are treated to one of the worst ending finale moments in Tis true. Friday the 13th history and one of the most brutal, uh, savage breaking of the uh, lexicon that we will suffer until the next movie, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> in which Jason Voorhees speaks a line of dialogue. Yeah. Let's forget the premise that is uh, established here, as ridiculous as it is, yeah. that the New York City sewer system is flushed with toxic waste every night at midnight, or yeah. whatever that plot point was. Yeah. Let's just forget that and say, okay, we accept that, that yeah. that's a thing that would happen for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> when Jason is hit by this toxic waste, he reverts to his child self. Yeah. And right before the wave hits him, he says in a little boy's voice, Please, mommy, I don't want to drown. Yeah. Yeah. It's like seeing Darth Vader as that annoying little kid in The Phantom Menace, you know? He's just like, not only is he not scary, I I hate myself for ever thinking that he was scary (laughs) at this point. Yeah. So a lot of negative hits to this movie. Yeah, I mean... It was a series of un- of unfortunate events, but there's also some bad decisions to it. I mean, it's a Friday the 13th movie. Yeah. Um, the red shirts, if you will, aren't that memorable. Just with the exception, of course, Kelly Hugh and... There's a vagueness to it, too. Yeah. Like, how many people are on this cruise ship? Because initially it seems like the whole graduating class is on it. Yeah. And if that's the case, a lot of kills happened off camera. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes there's seven or eight kids, and then, you know... By the time they get to New York, presumably the people who make it to the shore are the only people left. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. It's sloppy, sloppy, sloppy. If you don't have the means to make Jason takes Manhattan... Don't make it. Well, yeah. Horror has many faces. Death wears many different masks. But pure evil wears only one. And this is your final chance to see it. Jason goes to hell the final Friday. Jason goes to you knew it was coming. <laughs> you knew at some point they were going to explore this avenue, so... You... Did you? Did you see this chapter coming? Well... Because I've got to say, I did not see this chapter coming. <laughs> well, I knew that New Line had bought it, uh, and they wanted to do something with the project. They wanted to do, you know, at some point, Freddy vs. Jason, but they had to start somewhere. New Line, at this point, New Line Cinema is establishing itself as sort of the house of horrors. Yeah. They're already known as the house that Freddy built because yeah. of Nightmare on Elm Street, but yeah. they've acquired the Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise, and they've now acquired Jason. They can't use Friday the 13th, that's why subsequent films will be Jason, but yeah. not Friday the 13th. But they they have this character, they have the franchise to an extent. Yeah. It, it's sort of a splinter franchise at this point, but we'll, we'll call it canon. Yeah. 
Sean S. Cunningham is Comes now back as producer. Back as a producer, and uh, I'm sure he got his paycheck for the previous, you know, seven movies. Yeah. But this time he's more taken an in interest, and I think for right or wrong, he decided we got to do something different this time around. Hmm. And uh, I think that maybe, arguably, too different. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Jeremy, my friend Jay Adrian Cook, and I did this Terrible Twos episode mm-hmm. where we talked about how there are bad sequels that are bad because they're just derivative, and there are bad sequels that are bad because they tried to do something way out of field of yeah. what this genre or this particular film franchise wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And I think this is very much that end of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. But I said it then and I'll say it again now. In a way, I respect this failure more yeah. <laughs> in that... You're at least trying something. Yeah. It was an ambitious failure, yeah. but I do think it was a failure. Yeah, well... Uh, what do you think uh, of uh, Jason The Goes first and, and the biggest error that this guy, this filmmaker, did, and this is a guy who grew up loving Jason. He yeah. was, you know, an assistant. Like a, He started off as a glorified gopher and worked his way up and had worked on a Friday the 13th film with, from Paramount. And here he was, you know, doing it. But the biggest mistake he made was he thought that the audience could wait to see Jason for the longest time. You saw him for a little bit at the beginning. And then you don't see Jason, the actual Jason, up until the end of the movie. The first kill in the movie is Jason. Yes. He gets exploded. Yeah. And uh, it was a a surprise and and like a a shocking way to start the movie. But right away we're like... Okay, well, what now? Yeah. And the what now becomes increasingly problematic with each yeah. following scene. Yeah. <laughs> um, more so than any other movie in the Friday the 13th canon. Yeah. And this is rife with continuity errors all throughout all of the movies. This is a chapter of Friday the 13th, which is acknowledged by nothing that comes before it. And nothing that comes after it. Yeah. This is an alternate universe, you know, Twilight Zone, Friday the 13th. Um, and as a curio, as a what the fuck movie, as a slap your forehead, that just happened movie. Yeah. Put in the popcorn and laugh. I can almost recommend it as a so bad it's good, like, yeah. crazy movie. Yeah. Because it is crazy. Yeah. And there are some things that they come correct with that Paramount hadn't been able to in the last few frequent chapters. Yeah, oh no. I mean, the wh- sex and violence is back on the menu. Yeah. In a big, big way. <laughs> yeah, no, they. it's like they were making up for what had happened with seven and eight, and well, six, seven, and eight, really. Yeah. Um, and they brought back the red, they brought back the crunch, and they brought back the boobs. Yeah. Uh, the, and so, I mean, I have to give it that. But, but in a way, it made it more of a tease because but, we wanted that. Yeah. But, but it still wasn't it the full did, deal. Not only did, it didn't work, and you know he, they totally mis uh, underestimated the that, importance you know, of Jason. The importance himself. of Jason, really. Yeah. Um, you know the the star of the movie. You know it, it's like it would be like going to a James Bond film, and you don't see James Bond up until the end. Well, really, like the whole James Bond soul gets transformed into a transported into a robot or yes. something ridiculous like that. Yeah, you would have to eat such a bitter pill to get into the rest of the movie that it would be hard. Yeah. And in this case, we're supposed to expect the, to accept that all of a sudden Jason is not the, you know, cursed, drowned, res, you know, resuscitated body of this drowned little boy, but 
this demonic slug creature entity yes. that goes from person to person and can possess them. So Jason will jump bodies throughout this movie, and we yeah. won't know necessarily right away are they or aren't they Jason. Uh, the dead giveaway of whether or not it is Jason is if he's trying to kill you. <laughs> yes. And if he is really hard to kill himself. Eventually the body will get damaged enough he'll decide to jump ship again. Yeah. This premise reminds me very much of an 80s cult weirdo movie, The Hidden. I remember The Hidden. Kyle yeah. McLaughlin. The Hidden, yeah, The Hidden's good, though. Yeah, but but, but as far as this alien yeah, creature yeah, going it, body it, to body... That's a very much a you know, hidden kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. No, I get it. Uh, the Similar concept here. I'm not necessarily saying that they stole it directly, but yeah. it's a similar sort of... Yeah. And it does seem to belong into a science fiction alien movie much more comfortably in my Friday the 13th movie, yes. damn it. Um, but again, they're consciously trying to change things. All of our cast are in their 30s or 40s, more or less. Yes. So we don't have the, you know, same gaggle of, you know... Dumb teenagers. Dumb, rich. pretty faces to yeah. die. And in a way, that's kind of reflective. It's just a and it is more. a little bit, little bit refreshing, but for the most part, we don't really connect a whole bunch with, you know, the so-called red shirts or secondary characters. Most of them characters. are shrill and unlikable, so we yeah. don't have to care too much when they die. Yeah. Um, but because they're shrill and likable, we don't like them before they die, so yeah. that makes those scenes sort of harder. Yeah. Um, I'm going to try and take a stab at this plot. Sure. <laughs> Um, okay, uh, Jason is blown up, the mort the mortician or the, uh, guy who's doing the autopsy. So he gets possessed. Gets possessed of Jason, a bunch of people are killed, he escapes into the woods, uh, kills some kids who are having sex without a condom. Yes. <laughs> so they deserved it, practically, they were asking for it. Um, and then we get into this backstory that if, uh, it can get itself inside a blood relative, yeah. in this case, either his sister her daughter or her granddaughter who now is a, a baby girl mm -hmm. um and we are introduced to the baby's father who's now separated from the mother but trying to reconnect with them he sort of shows up in town the same time jason comes back and a lot of mysterious death happened and oh misunderstandings and blah 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 mayhem ensues uh, it's very confusing and it's even more confusing with the addition of this strange body hunter figure or body hunter bounty hunter yes. figure who shows Clayton up Shaw, I think his Clayton name. Shaw <laughs> uh, and uh, he's like crazy Arguably, maybe the craziest person in the movie, maybe crazier. He has this scene Jason. in this. He has this scene in this movie that, in a lot of ways, doesn't make a lot of sense for him to do that. Like, you know, he's essentially asking. To, you know, he'll eventually ask to, you know this young man, our sort of other you know protagonist, if you will, to you know join in on the hunt with Jason Voorhees, and you know proceeds to break his hand getting you know getting yeah. information in order him. to get information from this man you have to offer your fingers to be broken by him. what is the point it's almost counterproductive but no that's point. another decision that kind of went there's lots of scenes in this point? movie like that whereas what's why did that happen yeah the, that scene where he takes the sheriff's deputy hostage and and shaves him yeah that weird scene where he's all naked and bound down and shaved before they pass the demon seed between each other is this weird yeah, dark homoerotic sequence that happens in the movie. Yeah, and this is what I'm talking about. I mean, there is bizarre shit to be seen throughout the movie. Yeah. And when we say the violence is back, the violence is back. back. Oh no, like, it's yeah, it is very red. And and yeah. uh, it, it, like I said, that's further frustrating because it's so close to where we wanted to be for a Friday the Thirteenth, and yet yeah. clearly not a Friday the Thirteenth movie that we're used to. You know. 
And is it our fault? Should we blame this movie for daring to be different? Well, I don't know. I think I, I, that if I, this I, was chapter three or four, maybe we could say okay. But this is this is chapter nine at this point. Yeah. The uh, you know the it had been really established. Yeah. The formula had been established. Yeah. And at this point, to do such a game changing episode, I don't know where you go forward from here. Yeah. You know, and uh, it's also strange when you consider they're basically buying time for Freddy versus Jason at this point, which is something that they wanted to happen, but they were yeah. still in pre-production hell. Um, so why get rid of the Jason visage in that respect as well? Because you need to get back to the basic Jason that we understand for Freddy versus Jason to happen. Yeah. Frustrating. Strange. <laughs> it's a noble failure. Um, <laughs> the director clearly made a whole series of bad decisions that, you know, good for you for trying, but it was, you know, it was the wrong decision. Um, it's kind of this, yeah, like I said, there's some scenes that don't make any sense at all. Or at least, you know, motivations by characters that you're like, you know, a real person almost wouldn't do that. It was just sort of bizarre in that regard. The whole side story that, you know, he's this sleep demon that that also showed up and. Freddy's dead. Uh, you know, they're, they're trying to connect those two. We're also in this movie, I think, seeing a lot of cross-pollinating yeah. from other franchises. Uh, the idea that the evil is actually some sort of demon seed we start seeing in later Freddy Krueger Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Strange to but true. In the Halloween franchise, we have not only the idea that the evil can be passed on to a child, which is touched on in Friday the 13th, but the strange, mysterious black bounty hunter who shows up yeah. that seems to have more knowledge than they should and is never really properly explained. This is a strange thing that is shared now by both the franchise of Friday the 13th and Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if that's a point for or against the movie, but it's just another of many strange, strange things. Yeah, yeah, no, like I said, um, th- you know, they were sort of promising that, you know, of course, this would be, you know, the last one because he's going to hell, but we all know that's a lie, even, you know, going in, it's like, no. no. Um, so, I, 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 eventually, Jason was you know, going to have to, you know, end up in hell anyways when they finally do stop it, but why not? Well, to again further speak about the strangeness of this particular entry in the franchise, the demon seed Jason, after entering the vagina of the corpse of his dead dead sister, sister. is reborn. And when he is reborn, he takes the visage of the Jason we know and love, complete with hockey mask. And he proceeds to have a fist fight with our protagonist. Who, interesting enough, yes, punches him repeatedly in the hockey mask face with his handful of broken fingers, predictably. Yes, yes, because he's uh, he's a super genius now. Um, and we also get crossover from Evil Dead. That was the other one. The Necronomicon is also, also in this movie. Yeah, another property owned by New Line Cinema at that time. So uh, it just seemed like. It was a lot of distracting elements saying, huh, remember these other movies? Huh, remember these other better movies? <laughs> and uh, drawing attention to itself. Uh, which is strange, because we're not even in a post-Scream landscape yet, but it almost would have... You could almost think that they the were The wink-wink nudge-nudge, you know, was starting to really... Some of really... it was getting shoehorned in, or it felt like it was. Because yeah. at times it was taking itself dead seriously, and at other times it was a blatant satire. Yeah. And the whole Crystal Lake, or Camp Crystal Lake embracing... 
Jason, they're selling hamburgers shaped like hockey masks and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, again, we see parallels of uh, this in, in one of the last Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Uh, it's strange mishmash of uh, ideas. It's bizarre and fascinating and absurd, but it's kind of, to my mind, not really a Friday the 13th movie. Well... Yeah, it, it it does feel very much like the like the bastard child of the Friday the Thirteenth series. You know, the one that's really, it's the redheaded really stepchild. It really is. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's hard to say. You know, something like that. But I mean, to me, it's canon. But it definitely, you know, you know, feels very different than a Friday the Thirteenth film. It definitely left me like it's a good noble failure. Is is what I, is what I I kind of say. Good for you for trying something different. You've got to obviously you know shake up the tree. Yeah. Uh, you know, somewhat, but uh, they uh, echoed what was to come with Jay- with uh, Jason's mask being dragged to hell by Freddy Krueger's clawed yeah. hand. But yet, there was one more movie to come before we got to that main event, and that's coming. Yep. In the year 2455, on a routine training mission, a team of students is about to discover a life form frozen in time. Wow. They're on their way back. Prepare for docking and power up the lab. You brought him on board? Everything's under control, man. What the hell is going on? Jason Voorhees, that's what's going on. He's an unstoppable killing machine. Guys, it's okay. He just wanted his machete back. How do we get off the ship? I don't know. Look, we're gonna be all right. What? Uh-oh. Well, traditionally, space is where franchises go to die, really, in a lot of ways. <laughs> Once you've hit that trademark, you know, you've you've definitely, as the term goes, jumped at the shark. Critters has gone there. Leprechaun's yeah. gone there. Hellraiser's gone there. Hellraiser went there, although I guess Hellraiser had like six chapters past it. So, I mean, like, they, they persevered. Yeah. But it's a tricky number. Yeah, and uh, this is another weird case. In the long, long journey to get Freddy vs. Jason made, they had to fill the dance card just yep. in the time in between, yep. and they didn't want to step on the toes of Freddy vs. Jason. So, in order to get out of that movie's way, and in order to you know kind of get over the embarrassing questions asked by the previous chapter of Jason Goes to Hell, they decided they're going to jump ahead, and they're going to go Jason X, Jason in space. You. Yep. Um, this is another Canadian-made Friday yep. the 13th movie, Loud and Proud. The yep. uh, late director, Jim a- Isaac. He's late? He has passed away, yes. When did that happen? Uh, relatively recently. He directed this. He directed a movie called Skinwalkers, and he directed yep. uh, Pig Hunt. I think a movie called Pig Hunt. Uh, yeah. Um, but he died very suddenly. He's no longer with us. Anymore. What happened? I don't know the specifics. I don't know. I guess it points for being ambitious. This is definitely going to be a different Friday the 13th, but it will be not as different in a way as the previous chapter. You know what? This movie was set up to me really hate it. Yeah. Like, I, I thought that, you know, this is going to be a terrible movie. Like, this is like number, obviously number 10. There, you know, clearly, you knew that space was coming at some point. Few franchises get to chapter 10. Yeah. So, I mean, you've accomplished something no matter what. But yes, I mean, you're beyond derivative at this point, right? <laughs> like I said, I was set up to, like, really, really hate this movie and was pleasantly 
surprised. Well, I mean, I don't know if I'll be presently surprised. Well, I, mean, I enjoyed it a heck of a lot more than I should have. I'll yeah. say that much. And there's some, you know, this is obviously post-Scream, so yeah. it's sort of, I want not. I don't want to say self-deprecating humor, but definitely somewhat. A lot of the stuff that I like in the movie is on purpose. Yeah. But I will also say a lot of the stuff that I like in this movie is not on purpose. Yeah. Some of the computer graphics in it are terrible. It, are it, it, it's, terrible. It's, it's a cheaply made movie. You can tell um, they had a very small budget, but they went and they worked. With, they you know they worked with it. But it also seems to belong snugly in the long, rich tradition of bizarre Canadian horror movies, and specifically slasher movies. They're yeah. just a little bit weirder than they need to be, and a little just... The choices are odd. Yeah. Uh, and sort of to represent this Canadian-made Friday the 13th movies, the first person killed in this film is Canadian auteur David Cronenberg. And you've got to give that film that. Yeah. <laughs> I know you're not as much as a lover of Cronenberg as I am, so I know you I've were sort of... I've to him as a filmmaker, but as yeah. an actor, I don't know. I just Well, he's, he's not you know an amazing actor. Monotone. Yeah. Um, but he's he's got one scene and he dies. And you know what? If I was in a position where I could be, yes, I'd like to be in the new Friday the 13th movie. Uh, yeah. My condition is that I die on screen. Yeah. If you can do that, if you can make that phone call to make that happen, you, you make that phone call, right? Because yeah. I want to be there. Jason X gets so many things right. I mean, we were sort of waiting and they sort of teased, you know, what would happen when Jason would go sort of, you know, you know, Put his dukes up with a whole mercenary terror, a whole mercenary, you know, platoon of mercenaries, if you yeah. will. We do get to see sort of basically yeah. Jason versus the Marines from Aliens. Yeah. And that's a fun sequence. Yeah. And we get to see Jason fight a cyborg, and yeah. that's a fun sequence. My personal favorite involves Jason in the holodeck. Yes. Where they, they buy some time by making a, a false uh, circa 1980 Camp Crystal Lake complete with topless chicks drinking booze and smoking weed. Best kill of the, of the flick, honestly. It <laughs> is. It, Arguably, I would say the best kill is the, the woman who gets frozen and then her face shattered. Close second. That was pretty classy, too. Close <laughs> second, but it's the facts. And it's not even an original kill. I mean, he, he you know, he is, uh, you know, already, you know, thrown a woman in a sleeping bag across a tree. But it's the whole, the, they're giggling in and enjoying it as he's like, <laughs> as he's doing it. Ow! 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 Whack, whack. Um, so the sheer joy of that scene just makes me sort of smile. But they got some mileage out of the premise. If yeah. you're going to do Jason in space, do Jason in space, and they do. Yeah, they and knew exactly what they were doing, what, it, what they were making, and yeah. knew that, you know, people aren't going to take it as Pulitzer Prize winning material. Yeah. Do with you know, do with it what you will. And, I mean, it's mercifully short. Like, how long is it? Well, it's about 90 minutes, but... Considering the amount of information that gets packed into this, yeah. first of all, we have to we find we we start the movie Jason's caught, yeah, and about going to be studied because they failed to execute him. They can't find a way to kill him. Yeah, uh, he escapes, but at the last minute they manage to freeze him. He and the scientist gets frozen. Five hundred or so years later, whenever it is, a spaceship on a reconnaissance with mission. Uh, not even that; they're just sort of collecting garbage on the yeah. wasteland that was Earth. Basically, a stool, school class collecting artifacts of the Earth that was. Yeah. Uh, they bring back Jason and thaw him out, and bad shit happens. Yeah. Basically, is the premise, um, and the tonally, it's a little there. There are sequences of the film where they're trying to be funny, and sometimes it's successful, and sometimes mm -hmm. it's not. 
But I think that what really adds charm to the movie are the sequences where they're not trying to be funny and they just end up being accidentally. <laughs> yeah. The whole sequence where the ship destroys the base yeah. that they're headed to is like comically unconvincing as far as the special effects. Yeah. And as far as the weight and ramifications of that, because according to this, as a story point, in order to keep them isolated from Jason, it wasn't enough that they flew by their safe port. They inadvertently destroyed that space station and presumably the hundreds of thousands of people that lived on board. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like a note. It's a passing note. You know, that yeah. it's a beat in the storyline that we're asked to take seriously in spite of everything else being really goofy and hamming. Yeah. You know, and like the lines that, that you know, you want to say because they're zingers, but yeah. they just wouldn't say that. Yeah. When the military guy's checking in on his bloke and he's been thrown on a giant screw. Yeah. He's going to say that his buddy's dead. Yeah. No, no. He's not going to say that. He's going to say he's, he's screwed. screwed. Yeah. Right? And, that, like, it's almost like airplane. Go for the most obvious joke. Yeah. And ring it as loudly as possible. Some <laughs> right? of it works, some of it doesn't. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's pretty mood specific, but... It ain't boring. No. No. And it's it's charming and fun and it's, you know, quite a quite a violent you know, Jason Voorhees film. Uh, um, it's co written by this dude Todd Farmer. Yes, he's actually in the film as well. He is in the movie. He gets bashed, his, his face bashed in, and uh, I don't know. I, I, he like he wants to be Carpenter or Rodriguez or something like that. Yeah. Sort of sort of wants to live in that same sort of scuzzy B-movie feel, but there's something not fun about a lot of his work, with the exception of this one. (laughs) There, I don't, I, and, uh... What else is Todd Farmer? He did the remake of, uh, the, uh, My Bloody Valentine. Okay. And he did that Nicolas Cage movie, where he's driving the car, he's away from hell and being chased by... Drive Angry. Drive Angry, Yes. Uh, things like this. And if you're, you're thinking of Patri- uh, Patrick Lucier. Well, he directed them. I'm talking about the screenwriter, yeah. uh, Farmer. Anyway, uh, we see him again and again, and he does these sort of sleazy movies. Yeah. This is one of his first Hollywood movies. Yeah. Quote-unquote success. I mean, it, it's Friday the 13th 10, but yeah. if you're getting paid to write the screenplay of Friday the 13th 10, winning, as far yeah. as I'm concerned. Yeah. <laughs> and, and uh, you know... I really like to see him hit one out of the park. He hasn't really yet. Uh, I, I, I think it might be a left-handed compliment to say that Jason X is his best work. Yeah. <laughs> but, hey, there's still time. We'll see where he come, where he goes from there. Yeah. Um, it's bizarre and crazy. And uh, we talked about, like, the uh, Jason Goes to Hell sort of being the odd child out, you know? Yeah. Uh, I think this is, like, the class clown. This is the one that's dumb as a bag of hammers and knows it. Yes. And it, it's not dumb. It accepts what, you know, what it is. It's not dumb in the way that Part 6 was while yeah. it's still existing as a Friday the 30th movie. Yeah. This is almost spreading it to a much wider net. You know, Jason becomes uber-Jason nanotechnology and he doesn't really die in this movie as well we last see him falling to earth too and it's heavily suggested that he, he will continue what he does best we have no do- reason to believe that jason will ever die you know? yeah he just landed on another planet and is going to take up shop there so yeah you know jason lives on and we can we can go on forward in the series knowing that no matter what if this is canon 
Jason will live to kill on future planets. Yes. And I don't know about you, but I take comfort in that. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Um, well, how about some notable kills? Well, to me, the holodeck sequence is, like I said, the best kill. The um, Obviously, the use of nitro... Not nitroglycerin, whatever she gets frozen in. Yeah, the, she. This woman's face gets dipped in this freezing uh, liquid. Yeah. Freezes her face solid, and then he shatters her yeah. on the counter. You know, My was... personal favorite. Um, really great line. We don't actually see the death, but the the asshole teacher, yeah. who's uh, you know the Cooper of the group, always saying and doing the wrong thing and sleeping with his students. Yeah, <laughs> has that great line. It's okay, you guys. He just wants his machete, machete. back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Give him his machete, you asshole. <laughs> yeah, I know. You know. The red shirts are a lot of fun in this movie. That's yeah. one that, that, that it works. Um, glad that did. Like, even though like they are like, cookie cutter, you know, they're not deep characters, the, the cliches somehow are amusing and work in this film. It's a weird line because I love and hate it simultaneously. See, I, 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 I don't about, have hate. Well, I mean, uh, uh, well, uh, overall, my review is, I guess, kind of guilty positive. Yes. But I, just as an example, uh, the hall is breached and a character is about to be sucked through a hole in the wall. Right. And she delivers the line, this sucks in so, so many, many ways, ways. <laughs> before she goes out the door. It's like, I uh, love it. I hate, I hate it. it. It's Jason X. <laughs> you know? Yeah, in a lot of ways, that scene sort of sums up the movie. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> you giggle, and then I kind of go, uh. <laughs> um, I'm not proud of myself for like I Jason am. X. I mean, it's but a I'm bad not movie. I'm going to say it's, it, it's horrible. I mean, in the canon of Friday the 13th movies, this is pretty watchable. You know? it, it, it's probably one of the most Friday the 13th movies I've rewatched. I think I've seen it. Five or six times now? And it's different, but Jason is still Jason. I don't yeah. think Jason doesn't do anything that I see really called hard bullshit on. You know? Yeah. So, um, well, I mean, I, I love the fact that he essentially falls like a comet into another planet. <laughs> That's rather you know, sweet Points and charming. Points for originality. And, you know, it was the best Jason in space movie it could be. It also has one of the best supporting characters as that uh, leader of the platoon. I forget what the actor's name is. But uh, Sergeant something such or whatever. The guy who takes several machete stabs and just puts some fucking duct tape on it. and Goes back to work. Around. Yeah. <laughs> and really, I mean, does he die in this movie as well? I guess he sort of... I think he would have burned up in the atmosphere. Yeah. But now that Jason's made of metal and has the nanotechnology, I think we can believe Jason will be... will live to hack another day. After 10 years, maybe more of pre-production, almost 30 years combined between the two series, Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street, the code was finally cracked. They came out with a screenplay, and they, they landed on for a director, of all people, and I swear to God, they blindfolded someone and threw a dart, <laughs> but they landed on Ronnie Yu, and I'm happy that they did. 
Even though Ronnie Yu, to his own admission, had never seen a Friday the 13th movie. I think that's what they liked about him. And uh, the fact that his background was in largely in sort of violent martial arts spectacle type of movies. Yes. Famously, The Bride with the White Hair. Yes, but at this point he had done Bride of Chucky. Bride of Chucky, which was a, which a fairly him, successful... You know, which got him this gig, yeah. essentially. He sort of did a good life... Uh, Full of life entry into child's play. No reason to think he couldn't do the same for Friday the 13th. Yeah. But at this point, Nightmare on Elm Street, the, or this Freddy vs. Jason movie, was a big deal. Yeah. A lot of money is tied up in this. Yeah. And a lot of... They've already I'm surprised it took that long to get made, though. Like, it was in New Line's hands for over well over 10 years. Yeah. Just to get it to where they needed it to be and to make it a workable scenario and probably work out the behind-the-scenes dealings of who's getting what percentage of what, yeah. you know... Um, here they come. A lot of those decisions seemed uh, like out of pocket to be bad, and uh, most controversially, we lose our Jason Voorhees. Kane Hodder is no longer going to be playing Jason, yep. as he has, has since part seven now. Yep. So uh, that was big news. Um, the choice seemed almost purely aesthetic. Yep. Um, probably at this point, they'd have to pay Kane a good amount of money since he's returning this much time, but. Uh, I honestly think they just wanted the image of sort of the small, wiry, spindly Freddy Krueger against the big fucking lug football player looking, yeah. you know, Jason Voorhees, just to get that yeah. image, make it as solid as possible. Yeah. Um, I've already gone on record for rank and review, just saying that I'm a huge Freddy versus Jason fan. It works, and it works so well. So I'm going to put the ball largely in your court here. Yeah. Um... I think it's a modern horror fantasy classic in a yeah. way. I mean, maybe put quotes around classic, but yeah. people will be pondering this movie for many decades to come. It will be a curio, you know? And the the fact that it was a bona fide box office it blockbuster. Was, it was <laughs> number one for three weeks in a row. Like, it just kept going. Um, you know, there was talk for the longest, longest of times to, you know, make a sequel and make other crossovers. Like, there is a script in Hollywood somewhere mm-hmm. uh, of Ash versus Michael Myers versus yeah. Freddy and Jason. And there's all sorts of comic book permutations. Yeah. But who knows what, if anything, will come of that. Yeah. Uh, it, it's weird because then you're getting into a series of several different unspeaking killers fighting each other, which gets tricky story-wise. But anyway, Freddy versus Jason. Cole's notes of the plot. Freddy has been forgotten. He needs to be remembered. He's yes. in hell. He Which is re- a cool idea, actually. He reaches out to Jason in his dreams, awakens him from his slumber, because Jason can never die, tells him through the visage of Jason's mother that he must go to Elm Street and kill yeah. the naughty teenagers there. Yeah. Thus the, creating fear in Elm Street, thus bringing back thoughts of Freddy, thus bringing more power to threat Freddy so he can do his business again. Yeah. Problem is, by the time Freddy's getting powerful enough to do his killing, Jason's done most of the work for him. Yeah. This causes conflict, yeah. and since there's nobody to mediate, yeah. <laughs> they just have to work it out physically, you yeah. know? Because, you know, that's just how they do business. Yeah. Um, it's interesting to me that f- they're both the terrible, and they both, you know, have a steep body count to their backs, but very quickly, because I prefer the franchise, Friday the 13th to Nightmare on Elm Street, I came in a Jason fan, 
But Freddy does establish himself as the villain of this piece yes, in a yes, lot he's of ways. Definitely, you know, the the puppet master to to Jason's sort of puppet. Yeah. Um, you're meant to really not like. Freddy Krueger, he is the villain of the piece in a lot of ways. Um, and uh, that's always been the way, uh, Jason's very business-like and like yeah. a blunt instrument. Like I said, like, if you go where you're not supposed to be, he will kill you. Yeah. That's it. That's that's how he does his business. Freddy will kill, you know, as many people as he can, and not only will he kill them, he will make fun of them as yeah. he kills them, and he seems to enjoy the torture of it. So I like him less. I guess it's hard to say I like either of them, but... yeah. <laughs> You know, like Freddy less. <laughs> well, <coughs> production values and acting across the board, very strong. Yes. And, you know, I have to say, you know, the fights between the actual, when they do finally happen, the two, you know, legends, if you will, is sort of like, like, like a giant cartoon. And I think that works within that universe mm-hmm. to make it sort of, you know, a ha-ha slapstick. The violence isn't, it's definitely different, you know, from the film that comes after it. I do think that in that respect, in the fight, the fact that he comes through the uh, sort of martial arts background and the wire work really yeah. actually added another dimension. Yeah. Because I, in another person's hands, I think the fight would be a little bit more sluggish yes. or slower or more brutal. You know, yeah. there would be, it would be a slower fight, but the wounds will be more substantial, as yes. it were. Um, there's a cartoon quality, a goofy quality to it. Yes. But... It does all of this goofiness while respecting both franchises. Yes. And that's that's in the screenplay as well, but it, I also got to give Ronnie Yu a lot of points for that because yeah. I think he said like he was familiar with Nightmare on Elm Street, but less yeah. so with Friday the 13th. Yeah. Um, so it's a lot of a lot of elements to juggle and the story is somewat convoluted. Yes. Uh, you touched upon you touched upon this earlier when we've talked about this movie that you do call bullshit yes. on one thing and that's when you know Jason you know would you know walk into the house just to kill one person that, yeah. you know the boyfriend of the one girl the first big kill of the movie yes yeah it's a great kill but Jason does walk into a house full of kids kill one person and leave kind of got to call shenanigans on that but that's the only real loud one yeah um, a lot of the fanboy stuff will will debate you know who really won the fight and at the end of the day spoilers kids uh, we see Jason emerging from the lake holding Freddy's severed head. Yes. But Freddy's head winks at us. Yes. What does it mean? It means that he never dies. This will <laughs> yes. go on and on and on and on. But uh, to my mind, I think, you know, the fact that Jason's carrying Freddy's head suggests that Jason was victorious in that battle. And um, <laughs> yes. if you go by kill count, I think Freddy only actually kills one. Am I wrong? Um, he kills Jason Ritter's best friend, the Canadian actor whose name I always forget. Uh, he he kills his, that stoner. He possesses the stoner, but Jason hocks him in half. Um, like you could be argued that Freddy does more physical damage to Jason and even more psychological damage to Jason, and that he, you know, makes Jason relive. I the think drama. I guess that Freddy only really killed that best friend. Yeah. Brother. Jason does the bulk of the uh, the killing in the movie, and I think in a way that's he smart. does kill the best friend. Yeah, yeah. In, in in a way, it's smart that he does that because Jason doesn't have a voice. Yeah. Jason just gets to do what Jason does. Yeah. The only voice we get is is Freddy, and he can do things like turn into the caterpillar from <laughs> Alice in Wonderland and yeah. possess the fucking stoner who's clearly trying to be Jay from Jay and Silent Bob. Yeah. And if you make it your life's mission to emulate. 
performance-wise, Jason Mewes, you failed as a human being. (laughs) (laughs) I don't care if they said a Jason Mewes type in the script. It was just a derivative lazy performance in a movie that didn't have a lot of derivative lazy performances. No, no. (laughs) Uh, It was a character that I liked to see die, and not just because, you know, it was one of those distracting characters. It was just like, ugh. (laughs) <laughs> you he speak. Does, he does arguably have the funniest line, though, of the movie. Which is? Dude, that goalie was pissed about something. <laughs> that goalie was pissed about something. <laughs> yes, it, it does boast, you know, a rather epic, you know, killing sequence, which, you know, I, I, I basically tears of joy and a little bit of giggle went out, you know, kind of happened when I saw it. The... What would you call it? The raver the scene? Rave, the raver, the rave, rave part. In the middle of a cornfield. Well, in the middle of a farm. Some somewhere. of the best Jason minutes ever <laughs> put to celluloid. Absolutely. Yeah. He's completely engulfed in flame. He carves a path through the cornfield yeah. and hacks his way through this rave. Yes. Like, um, we've talked before about Jason being an asexual creature. Yeah. Uh, you know... In the, in the novelization of Freddy vs. Jason, which I would love to read if it existed, Jason realized for the first time in his life that he had an erection <laughs> <laughs> while killing all of those kids in the rave. Didn't even understand why. <laughs> it's just like, it seemed like his entire existence was leading up to this moment of killing these obnoxious kids. One of the first kids he kills at the rave, too, is like date raping Ginger from Ginger Snaps. Right. You know? <laughs> Yes, Catherine is Catherine. Catherine Isabel shows up here. Yeah. Yes, and has you know a rather sizable role. Good for her. Yeah, um, a lot of Canadian talent shows up in here. Yeah. Uh, Chris Marquette is plays a supporting role in here. And Jason and Jason Ritter's son. Yeah, or uh, well, John Ritter's. John Ritter's son. Yeah, Jason Ritter is in this movie. And uh, what's the name of the of the from Destiny's Child? Kelly um, Rowland. Kelly Rowland yes. has a part in here, and a memorable dream sequence in which she uh, dreams that her nose is cut off. Who's the best? Who's the sort of nerdy friend that? Uh... Yeah, I was trying to remember the name of that actor. He's also in two of the Ginger Snaps movies. He's a really good Canadian actor. Um, here, I'll splice his name in. The actor whose name we're trying to remember there is Brendan Fletcher, and it pains me that I couldn't remember his name because. He's a working Canadian actor. He's been working in TV and film in Canada since the mid-90s. And he's really good. So um, I'm glad that he had even a passing role in the immortal classic that is Freddy vs. Jason. You can also see him in two of the three Ginger Snaps movies. And like I say, almost every Canadian TV show ever made. He's been in a lot of stuff. He's a good actor. Uh, and uh, he's somehow managing to stay afloat while still remaining in Canada, mostly, it seems. So good for him. Um, Yeah, there's just not a lot of bad things for me to say about Freddy vs. Jason. It's definitely an acquired taste, uh, but I think if you're going to pay your ticket to see Freddy vs. Jason, you come in knowing, you know, where you stand, right? This, This is definitely a huge step up in the whole, you know, echelon or group of both Nightmare on Elm Street and Freddy or Friday the thirteenth. It's it's a solid action comedy horror. It seemed all it seemed destined to fail too. It like it seemed like there was just no way they were gonna satisfy the fan base. Yeah. Especially because, you know, there was something of a divide between Freddy and Jason. 
Yeah. It's interesting in that I think Nightmare on Elm Street is arguably the more, quote, imaginative of the series. Yes. But in a way, I think time is going to be kinder to the Friday the 13th franchise than it is to the Nightmare on Elm Street ones in some ways. Yes. So, it'll be interesting to see. I became a Ronnie U fan because of this movie. I, yeah. I'm still trying to get my hands on some of his earlier work. Yeah. Um, but I got into the Child's Play movies backwards through him yeah. because of this. It's just like how lucky it was that they managed to land on Ronnie U because he also did that Fearless movie with Jet Li, Jet Li which is absolutely. quite good actually. Solid, absolutely. Yeah. Um, there's a little bit of uh, magic to this movie. I don't know, yeah. like, a, it seems a little bit hyperbolic to yeah. say it, but because, it, like like I say, it just didn't seem like it was possible that they were going to satiate all of the fans and have us coming so proudly and happily, you know, from it. And the movie's over 10 years old now. Yeah. I shudder to say. Yeah. Uh, so they haven't even fucked it up with the lame sequel yet. Yeah, well... I. It seems like it almost won't happen now. Yeah, if no, it was going no. to happen, you'd think it would have. And if it does happen, I doubt it'll happen with Robert England. Yeah. Um, but it, it was a weird alignment to where every, all the stars aligned to please the geeks, and the yeah. geeks were pleased. Did you know a young boy drowned here? He was my son. And today is his birthday. Yeah, baby. <laughs> he won't believe my parents' cabin. Here we are. Pretty nice, huh? Ah. All right, you ready? Let's do it. sister she's gone missing have you seen her jane listen she's dead people go missing around here they're gone for good marcus nispel you um he seems like delegated to doing like specifically remakes for some reason he and, did, uh, and apparently he, and apparently he's quite crazy as well uh, yeah it can, it can be difficult but yeah uh, he's done the Conan remake, the Texas Chainsaw remake, and this. And he also did Pathfinder. Pathfinder. Yeah, but that was the one thing that I think was actually an original property. Yeah. Anyway, he has a great visual aesthetic. Uh, he does. As far as making sort of grimy, realistic, dripping, greasy, seedy-looking movies. Yeah. Very similar in style in a lot of ways to uh, Rob Zombie. Yeah. Only a little bit less redneck-focused. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He had great success with the remake of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and I actually, because I don't consider TCM to be such a sacred cow, yeah. think that his remake is pretty decent. I mean, if you're into the there's, torture porn, it's a very specific sort of thing. There's something about it, I will give it that. And I guess I understand them approaching him for the Friday the 13th reboot. Yeah. If you got to do a reboot and you're looking at a list of names, I guess. And Michael Bay produced. <laughs> yes, well. <laughs> you knew this movie was going to be sort of loud and bang. And... Arguably, Michael Bay's name is not a stamp of quality, but it's, it's unless he's in the directing or writing chair, I don't necessarily yeah. say it guarantees shittiness either. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, what they've done here is they've 
reinvented Jason slightly. They knew yeah. that they couldn't start over and start with Mrs. Voorhees and, you know, a slasher whodunit. That's yeah. not going to happen. We need Jason for this movie to be good. Yeah. I feel like what they've done here is made a highlight reel of the first three movies. Yes, yes, it is definitely sort of a highlight reel in that fashion. And they have pushed the death and the gore and the sex especially as far as they possibly can. And giving us exactly what we want, 13 Grizzly Kills, and from the same writing team that brought us uh, Freddy vs. Jason. And uh, they felt, in their mind, the interpretation of Freddy vs. Jason was a little softer than they wanted. They thought that movie should have been harder. Yeah. And they might have even overcompensated on this draft of Friday the 13th, yeah. making it the most vicious, yeah. ugly, dark Friday the 13th chapter yeah. of the franchise. Yeah. But in, like I was saying, in giving us everything that we would expect we want... I still have issues with this movie. Um, there's a lot good, especially yeah. the first 20 minutes. This movie starts off so well and is probably, you know, the best sequence in all of the Friday the 13th movies. If it could maintain that energy that the first 20 minutes had, yeah. this movie would have been probably the best Friday the 13th movie. That, that sequence with the sleeping bag and the fact that Jason sets up the trap and it's a fairly prolonged sequence and we see like uh, five kids get yeah. make their way to Camp Crystal Lake a very obvious exit and they are killed like brutally yes like it's it, you are affected by it yeah and I thought wow it's been a while since I felt that sort of sense of danger and fear really we're given the Cole's note history of the lake they know yeah. they know they're going to a bad place Jason shows up in this new permutation, Jason is a person. He is alive. <laughs> yes. You know, um, and the way he gets around, instead of sort of weirdly being able to teleport or always magically being in the right place at the right time, there's this weird system of tunnels that he has in which to get, get around. Yeah. All of this is really, really, really well handled in the prologue sequence. Like yeah. The pre-credit sequence, which is almost the first third of the movie, really, yeah. is, like you said... Of the greatest quality of anything, probably anything in the series. Yes. The problem is, is that once the movie starts, yeah. nothing, nothing tops it. Yeah. Uh, I can compare it to another remake. Actually, I remember seeing in the theater the remake of Dawn of the Dead, yes. and the sequence that happens before the credit sequence in that movie. Yeah. Just knocked my socks off, and I remember thinking to myself, if the rest of this movie is as good as this pre-credit sequence, yeah. they will have surpassed the original. Yeah. Same case could be said here. In both cases, I think it didn't surpass the original. Yeah. But I will say that I much prefer the remake of Dawn of the Dead yeah. to the remake of Friday the 13th. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, it starts off so well, and you kind of go, wow. It's almost, it almost brings tears of joy, and then it's it spends far too much with you know one half of you know of the TV show Supernatural. What's his name? Pretty boy, Jared Padalecki, I think his right. name is. Yeah. It, it, there's too much with that and the red shirts especially that sort of really annoying yeah. a group of kids come to a cabin where what's his, the one the one who owns the house yeah, his daddy this, owns the house the rich boy rich assholes parents own the place yeah. he doesn't seem to like any of his friends yeah. he doesn't seem to like anybody he doesn't seem to like himself yeah. he's one of these like such an asshole character that you don't really believe that he exists. Yeah. And you especially don't believe that he would, you know, get laid. Yeah. He spends, like, the last half of this movie in a rid 
ridiculous sex scene. Yeah. And I'm not anti-sex scenes, by the way, but yeah. uh, I think I said it when we first reviewed this movie. Yeah. This movie put me in the uncomfortable position of agreeing with Michael Bay. Because Michael Bay famously walked out of the screening of this movie yeah. saying it's more about sex than about violence. Yes. And I think he might be on to something there. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I mean, I respect them being honest as far as these movies are about sex and violence. And uh, yeah. I'm sure all the actresses who auditioned for parts in the movie, no bones were, were made about this. We, you know... Yeah. Expect you to show your gear because yeah. that's what that's what the ritual of these movies are. Yeah, and uh, you know they seem to do it with such relish that that you got the feeling that they're in on the joke and okay with it. Yeah, I didn't get the feeling like I have in some performances where they were uncomfortable, visibly uncomfortable doing the yeah. skinny dipping scene. But I think it tips the scale to the far end. It goes to the sort of like Piranha three. 3D remake where it just starts to feel sleazy. I feel like this is less fun and more sleazy. Yeah. And that's definitely true of the sex. And it starts to be a little bit true for me of the violence. Because traditionally my my Jason Voorhees kills or stuff that I like, he's sort of quick and brutal, you know? Yeah. And uh, we get a couple of quick and brutal deaths, but for the most part... We get a lot of prolonged, ugly, brutal deaths, you know? A screwdriver driving slowly underneath your chin, uh, you know, stabbed in the back and left to sort of quiver. And uh, the, the, the it's approached in a more torture-porny uh, base than we're used to seeing in Friday the 13th. He's not necessarily lingering and enjoying the kill. It's not about torment, but yeah. it's different. The kills feel more horrifying and real and less fun as a consequence. Yeah. Now, it's a good choice, perhaps, to go more horrifying and real. It works more as a horror movie. But for me, the Friday the 13th series does have a, something fun about it. Yeah. And I think that is the essential missing ingredient to yeah. this remake. It's not fun. It's unpleasant. It's tense. I mean, that's the one thing. I mean, it, it doesn't maintain the, the, the intensity, like as we mentioned earlier of the first 50 minutes, but it's a full-blown thriller. There's no comedy in it. And I guess from that point, you know, that's one of the things I like about it, is they went for a go-for-broke. They wanted to make Jason really threatening again. And I think that was a good idea. I like the things that they added to Jason as well. This was a Jason that, you know, it, he sprinted. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was great. And, the, you know, they sort of explained, you know, that this. then they sort of bought into the joke that how can Jason, you know, you, you've got a scantily clad woman who's clearly faster than Jason. You know, how, how can Jason continuously catch up? Oh, he's got tunnels. Good for him. And booby traps. Yeah. And he's a lot smarter. Yes. And I thought that... A hunter than Jason. Yeah. And I thought, that, I thought that was a good idea. Um, I sort of giggled that Jason was a pot farmer. Yeah. <laughs> well, again, I think we talked about this before. I disagree yeah. with you. I don't think he was a pot farmer. I think somebody was a pot farmer, and that somebody's likely dead. But I don't imagine that, that Jason makes his living selling weed or smoking weed. No, but he's, he's protecting it in a uh, lot of ways. No, that guy found the, just like the kids did, found the, the, the pot farm. Yeah. Um, but people had been stealing gas. They mentioned a note that someone had been stealing gas from the owner. Yeah. And presumably Jason was there to steal gas for the generator for his mines. 
Yeah. And that's when they encountered each other. I really don't think he, he was a pot farmer. I disagree with you on that plot point. Really? And, uh, especially since the movie's taking itself so seriously. To have that as a beat seems ridiculous to me. Um, Meh. The big bullshit thing, if you want to debate whether or not he's a pot farmer, we can. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't think you can debate to me that the Jason we know and love does Would not take a hostages. hostage. I don't buy the fact that, you know, she's wearing, you know, was it Jason Miller's sweater at Whitney some point? Whitney is the name of the character. Uh, Jared Padalecki is her brother who's yeah. trying to find her. She was with the first group. Yeah. She wasn't killed because she, she, she was wearing the sweater or the amulet or whatever. Uh, Jason didn't kill her. But he kept her chained to the wall, and he would have had to feed her, and weeks have gone by. So she's been down there uh, for God knows how long. So Jason has fed her, essentially. He, he must have. There yeah. must have been some kind of basic interaction between the two of them. That is that is such a break in, in, in it that I'm sort of surprised that the screenplay writers, you know, allowed it. Yeah. Um, other things that I really do appreciate that they added to it, I think that what they were going for with the asshole character was to make him so unlikable that we wanted that death. To of come. course. And when that death come, they, they, they really like relish it. They really let us bathe in it. And he has a long, prolonged, horrible... How does he die again? He gets stabbed through with the machete. The right. machete is raked up through his ribcage. Then he gets spiked through the back of a truck, which drives away. Yeah. Well, he, he's sort of impaled on the back, bleeding out, dying. Uh, and, you know, yay! Cooper yeah. character finally dies, but... The drawback is that our least favorite character lasts longer than almost anybody else in the movie. Yes. Um, but I really like and respect the choice. i got to admit, I did kind of see it coming, but it still made me smile. That The character who is completely altruistic throughout the movie, yeah. she does everything right. She helps the Jared Padalecki character to find his sister. Yeah. She's a virginal character. She says no to all sexual advances. Yeah. She doesn't swear. She doesn't drink. Yeah. And she gets a machete through the fucking heart <laughs> in <Yeah>. the mines <laughs> and is just dead and out of the way, you know? Yeah. Uh, it, it, ostensibly, she is set up to be our survivor girl. Yeah. But, again, the second I saw that Whitney was alive... Yeah. There's no way in my mind that Whitney would have survived this much of an ordeal yeah. and not live through the movie at this point. Yeah. That's just a decision that I made the second they made that reveal yeah. and it proved to be the truth. Yep. Um, I don't know. There's a lot good here. Like the production value is good. And I sort of complained about the kills, but the kills are effective in making you cringe and go, ouch. I find that the sex scenes are uncomfortable and distracting. The sex, the sex scene, that, well, especially that one, is way too long. You could have easily trimmed half to three quarters of it. It's pretty extreme at the beginning of the movie, too, but I kind of also liked it then because it sort of felt like it was acknowledging the pedigree that was yeah. came before it. Yes, we're having a pretty raunchy sex scene here, but isn't that what Friday the 13th, 13th does? Four, yeah. Uh, but we had that scene. Yeah. And so to have another one later and another one that's way longer and like way more graphic and like yeah. red tissue diaries, softcore pornography time. Yes. And uh, like, I, I don't know, like <laughs> I'm pro naked female anatomy, <laughs> you know, and uh, that makes me uncomfortable. Watching it alone makes me uncomfortable. There's just something that's like, I feel What's sleazy it, for having watched It's it. so over the top. It yeah. is so, so over the top. It's definitely, you know, a cinematic sex scene and not yeah. real sex. So the, that's the, sort of the example. It's like they're trying so hard to give you everything you want and loads of it. Yeah. But it's, for me, just not quite 100% there. Yeah. Um, 
No, I, I think I like this movie a lot more than, than you did. Um, I, like I said, I, I love the little nice touches that uh, they add to it to make Jason far more lethal. Are there some things that, you know, are bad choices? I agree with you that the Jason we know and love would not take hostages. The fact that she's alive, I think, is bullshit. But, but sometimes you got to roll with a punch. Yeah, yeah. But um, Jason is threatening again. And I thought, you couldn't do that anymore. Like, this is, what, number 11? 12. 12. You, uh, you know, like, Jason. he's not that, you know, how, how do you make something that, that there's been 12 movies before? Or, you know, 11 movies before? And make <laughs> him at least somewhat scary again. That's, to me, that's, that's no small feat. But you know what else is no small feat, brother? What's that? We have now reviewed... All of the Friday the 13th movies. Wow. I feel exhausted. (laughs) We did it. We did it. We did it. Thank you so much. Yeah. We need uh, to rank these from your least favorite to your favorite. The least favorite to my favorite. In typical rank and review fashion, I'm going to let my guests go first. But because there is 12 of these, the chances of us uh, matching are probably pretty I I actually expect some some intense debate. Okay. (laughs) But here we go. All right, we're going from least to to our favorite. Is that... that That's typically how I go. Okay, well, since there are 12 Friday the 13th films, including Freddy vs. Jason... I'm going to start at number 12. My least favorite is A New Beginning. This was hard. This was debated. Um, I think this is the biggest, pardon my French, fuck you to the franchise. Just, there are, the only redeeming quality of this film is there are a lot of deaths. And deaths handled brutally, but besides that, the story is, it's grating. The acting is over the top annoying. It's not even really Jason. Yeah. Just to spit in his face, I I think they they botched the Tommy Jarvis story. The sex is you know we we talked about earlier how the the reboot is so dirty and nasty and dark. You get you actually feel scummy watching this a new beginning. So I'm gonna start with number twelve, a new beginning as the worst. The one that I expect you to kind of raise your eyebrow like what? Huh? Number eleven is the new blood. Number seven. Yeah, you're crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, this film is so neutered. I mean, one of the reasons you go to watch a Friday the 13th is to see Jason do his over-the-top kills. And I know it's not its fault. I know it had to deal with a very angry, conservative MPAA. Yeah. But, god damn. <laughs> this is... It's like... You drop your shorts to jerk off, and then it's... it's Everything's been blurred. Yeah. It, it's not even like watching Japanese porn where they, they dirty out the naughty bits. As many porn analogies as we can make. As yeah. Well. well, hey, I mean, we are reviewing Friday the 13th. Let's be as chauvinist as we can. Um, it's... I, I don't know. The whole Carrie storyline didn't thrill me as much. I found her actually kind of personally grating as well. The only redeeming factor is is they have a pretty awesome Jason in this, who... Yeah. Who takes a, who takes a thumping, but besides that, and it's short. It it is a short movie. I could not wait for this one to be over. Followed at number ten, Jason takes Manhattan. 
once again a film that really it's honestly could be a PG thirteen Friday the Thirteenth in this day and age. It's Mine's, even more neutered than Seven, which is why I think it is worse. I think the idea of taking Jason to Manhattan tickled me a little bit. Once again, it is a gigantic cock tease. It's 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 poorly named. It should be Jason on a boat because really that's what that is. And there are a lot of stupid things in this movie, but there are a lot of stupid things in Number Seven. That house explosion. Yeah, I, I mean the making of it's pretty humorous about you know like kind of, I think we went a little overboard, but <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I, the only re- the only reason why it ranks higher than seven is it took Jason to Manhattan. We saw that for a little bit. I smiled. I, I I'm not watching the clock as much right. <laughs> with Manhattan, but hey, number nine and shame. Shane, and I forget the name of the director. Um, Bob, he did two of them. Steve oh, Miner. Shame on Steve Miner. You're you're bringing a sequel to a very high, a surprise, highly profitable hit in Friday the Thirteenth, and you come up with number two. It makes me wonder if you know you were under the gun and you like a lot of the Friday Friday the Thirteenth movies. You were promised one budget, and then it was ceremoniously taken away. Yeah, but. The level of stupidity in that movie, once again, is it's head-bangingly cringeworthy, especially how they handle that ending. Yeah. I don't mind the Jason in the bag, baghead so much, but it's hard for me to buy that Jason gets in a cab, yeah. leaves Crystal Lake, goes to the big city, buys a new pair of clothes and shoes, and then goes and kills our survivor girl. Yeah. And like you said, the film doesn't—it doesn't seem like it ends. It seems like it runs out of film, like they yeah. <laughs> like yeah. run out of time. So I will have to go at number nine is part two. Number eight, Jason goes to hell. It's better production value. The kills are brought back to you know a wonderful level, but I can't believe the filmmakers forgot you know one of the cardinal rules, and they should know better at this point in time, is that. Your main character is going to be Jason Voorhees. Do not hold back on him. You show him in the beginning and you show him at the climax, but you've got 80 minutes where Jason is a fucking slug demon that can transfer like a body snatcher. No. 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 From that from that conceit alone, you almost wish you were in the production pre-production meetings and say, "Look, you've got a lot of good things here." This is going to seriously hurt your film. I know you're, and I know it was the director's idea. He pitched that idea that we hold back on Jason. People will be very excited for him. No, you're just going to alienate your fan base and audience. So no, no, Jason goes to hell. Number seven, Jason X. Um, there's no reason this film should be as high as it is. <laughs> I, I, I can't. And I, this is probably the one film that I will get the most you know, tongue lashing from you fun, and that's fine. I don't mind getting feel dirty in all the right little places. But the red shirts do it for me for this film. Uh, I've mentioned that more than once, that one of the ingredients that I think separates the good Jasons from the bad Jasons are the red shirts. They're utterly, utterly funny in this movie. They're charming, it's stupid, it's got really over-the-top bad CGI, I know this. I think an extra shout-out goes out to killing David Cronenberg. And I like David Cronenberg. But they kill him, and kill him well. Yeah. Um, this movie is silly. I think it also boasts one of the best secondary 
characters and true adversaries for Jason in that that Colonel character, who I mean I guess he doesn't kill Jason per se. Jason does survive, but he does send him to another planet. I don't know. I've it's it's strange. I've seen Jason Ten a lot more than a lot of these other films repeatedly. I keep on coming back to it. Yeah. It it makes me smile. At number six, I have Friday the Thirteenth Part Three in three D. Once again, the secondary characters aren't as grating, per se. I think you have to watch it in the old 3D, I think. That, to me, helps a lot. Agreed. Um, if you watch it in regular format, this film would obviously tumble quite a bit. Um, the obviously handheld 3D shots don't annoy me as much. I guess it's that whole suspension of disbelief that I'm willing to, to go for. Um, it does boast the head squishing scene which is one of the top kills in the in the in the film franchise and i mean at this point it's he also gets his mask too many good things i understand the complaints but too many good things number five and this is how you end the series by the 13th friday the 13th part four final chapter it brought a lot of deaths it brought the today um jason jason's death is it's one for the ages. It's pretty brutal. It brought Tom Savini back to the fold. It's short. It's sweet. It, I was not looking at the clock. Mm-hmm. boy, final chapter. Too bad it was such a lie. <laughs> this is where I think we'll get a little hissy. Okay. <laughs> Number four, the original, Friday the 13th. At this point, you've got three films above the original. And this was hard for me because this is, this is the granddaddy. This is one that has Pamela before he's... It is Pamela? Yep. Um, this has Kevin Bacon. The deaths are still... They still hold up quite well. It's shocking violence. Um, this is one that started it at all. I think they've, got it, they've gotten it even better in a couple more tries in this series. It's, it's the original. It's the granddaddy. You need to see it at, at some point. If, if anything, if on those 500 movies you see before you die, if anyone, I guess you should watch this one mm-hmm. because it started it all. Number three, the reboot. Too many good things are done well in this movie. I get the whole criticism that it's dark and nasty. It turns you off. I think this movie affected you more than you're willing to admit. It... I, there's something to be said that they came so close from making the best Friday the 13th series. I agree there are flaws. I do call bullshit on Jason taking hostages. I think that's just does not work. Um, I can buy the fact that he's a smarter Jason than this one. He's very real. He's very much a real threat. Um, that opening 20 minutes is, I think, the best in the series. It really, really is. They do everything well, and that's how you start that movie. The sex scene is too much. It really, really is. It is unbelievably like... There's a couple of sex scenes, and there's lots of nudity throughout the movie. Again, I don't want to sound like I'm against sex scenes or nudity. No, but... It's just that scene was goddamn ridiculous. Yes. As we mentioned earlier, if Michael Bay is telling you to cut that scene... If if Michael Bay is saying too much, you better listen, (laughs) because he has no idea of too much. much. Um... There's too many good things with this movie um, that I th- it surpasses the original. I, I, I do think this, the movie thinks it's smarter than it actually is. It is really just the greatest hits. But I was shocked to find Jason to be a very threatening and a very scary being. 
and after 12 movies, yeah. they pull it off, I do tip my hat. Um, number two, Freddy versus Jason. And the only reason why it is not number one is because, it, in some ways, it is not a true Friday the 13th movie. It has all of the elements there. I mean, it's got, you know, red shirts that die and, and red shirts that we do care about. It has lots of over-the-top violence and gore. Um, it does take partially partially at Camp Crystal Lake, so they you know they do bring it back there. The main the main attraction of that movie though is Jason throwing down with Freddy. Yeah, that that takes up a good portion, and it's not a complaint. Mm -hmm. I even say that Freddy vs. Jason is overall a better movie than the film that I do rank as number one, but it's not a true Friday the Thirteenth movie, and that's what made me bring it down to number two. I agree it's probably the most polished out of all of them, uh, with maybe the reboot coming close. It's a lot of fun. I've seen it the most out of all of these movies, but it's not a true Friday, Friday the 13th movie, and we're going for best Friday the 13th movie, yeah. which makes me still a little surprised that it's number one. I knew it was going to rank high, but I went and thought... Did it did it come to number six where they finally got it got it that right? <laughs> and I think it had come at number six. Jason lives and companies and companies are embodies. Excuse me, everything that's right about a Friday the Thirteenth movie. It's not too serious. It's a lot of fun. There's lot the humor comes up in the right places. I mean, I still giggle at that you at that camp girl reading no exit by Sarge. <laughs> that was a definitely wink wink nudge nudge. This is pre scream. So that's got that whole ah, meta, yeah. yeah. Ah. It, well, we weren't laughing at the death; we were laughing at sort of the lines, you know. Yeah. When the caretaker looks into the camera and says, "Some people got a strange idea of entertainment," he was talking to us, yes. and we acknowledge that by laughing. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, it is sort of a precursor to Scream, and it does do the balance of funny and Friday pretty well. Yeah. Some people would argue that Part Six is a little bit too silly to rank that high on the list. Yeah. But I'm a big fan, so you're not going to hear me bitch. Um, yeah, it's, like I said, er, it, it got all of the ingredients right. Um, yeah, and I think they also handled Tommy Jarvis the best way they could. They made him, once again, a, a sort of a protagonist. Yeah. Um, after the debacle of number five, where he's sort of the killer, they just went, ah, screw it, it's Jason. Jason's yeah. the killer. We'll have Tommy as our sort of arch-rival, let's go for it. So there we go. That's that's the order. That's the order. Yes. But this is comfort food for me. Yeah. This is, especially for some reason, if I'm, like, sick and stuffed up at home and just spending a day on the couch, these are the kind of movies that I will put in that are sort of uncomplicated, easy to follow, that I yeah. can drift in and out of, and, and uh, it's, it's you weirdly... You can leave the room and come back. <laughs> it's weirdly comforting to hear Jason stalking all these, uh, yeah. these campers. Um, but they are good, they are bad, and they are ugly. At number 12, I agree entirely, part 5, The New Beginning. Yeah. It's kind of strange that it is actually the like very bottom in that there's a lot of kills, there's a lot of nudity, and yeah. even though Jason, according to Hoyle, Jason is not you know present in the movie, yeah. there's a lot of dude in a hockey mask dealing out death. I know, it's... Uh, and they keep on throwing shit at you to try and keep you as entertained as possible, you know? Yeah. the In a series full of pretty weak acting, there's some real standout bad acting in this. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, again, 
this is where the MPAA was starting to take over a little bit, where the, the editing was really starting to hurt yeah. the payoffs, because when you climb suspense, 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 and the payoff, the yeah. climactic release moment, yeah. isn't there. Uh, yeah, I go back to your cock tease analogy. Yes. <laughs> you know? We're going to bring you to the line of pleasure, and then we are going to stop. And then yeah. we're gonna bring you to the line of pleasure, and then we're going to stop. stop. Yeah, and it's t- it's not not fun. At number eleven, part eight, Jason takes Manhattan. Yeah, they they like they utterly removed the balls out of Friday the Thirteenth for this movie. And uh, again, like we said in the review, if you're going to make that strong a concept, make sure you have the budget to execute it. Because if yeah. you don't, um, your movie has failed before anyone's watched it. Yeah. People went to that movie wanting to see Jason fuck up New York. <laughs> they're going to be really, really disappointed. Yeah. And if they went there to see Boobs and Blood, they're going to be really, really, really disappointed. disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> and if they went there to be frightened or, you know, exhilarated, they're going to be really, 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 really disappointed. disappointed. Um, you know, this is a, a movie that sold on its concept and... Um, the movie didn't deliver that concept. Even if you argue that they did shoot for a couple of days in Times Square, there is indeed some footage in New York. It's not what the movie's about. The movie's about Jason on a boat. Yeah. And it's not good. Yeah. (laughs) Number 10. Jason goes to hell. Mm. Your complaint of um, the... uh, One of the Jason movies, you know, not really being a Jason movie, like part five, you know, Jason isn't there, it's not really a Jason movie. Jason being a demonic slug creature that can be reborn into his original hockey-wearing, mask-wearing visage by crawling inside the corpse of his dead sister is pretty far afield of anything that we've seen. Uh, I I appreciate, like, that they brought money and talent to 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 the floor here. Like, they definitely brought people who knew how to make good-looking film, and they brought the blood and gore back, which was nice to see. So the frustrating thing is, uh, for all the things that New Line did right, they failed to make, to my mind, a Friday the 13th movie. In a lot of ways, this movie was just a staging ground for Freddy vs. Jason. Mm -hmm. And since Freddy vs. Jason was 10 years away, kind of unnecessary. (laughs) So not a huge fan of Jason Goes to Hell. Part 9... Or sorry, number nine is going to be part two, Friday the Thirteenth Part Two. Um, I think the middle of the movie is a adequate Friday the Thirteenth movie in that here's your group of sheep and here they are being knocked down one at a time. Yeah. But the beginning coda where they kill off the original heroine from Friday the Thirteenth, yeah. as we have talked about, doesn't really make a lot of sense. Is anticlimactic and it's just not satisfying. Yeah. And the end of the movie is, like, it really feels like they just ran out of money and time or film, because yeah. uh, to have that sloppy an ending kind of sort of exposes the fact that this was clearly... Cash grab. It was cash grab. There was no art to that movie at all. Not that there has to be, necessarily, but, I mean, they were very early in the series. Yeah. Some of the stuff you can write off as saying they were just finding their feet. They wanted to know what a Friday the 13th movie was, and at part two they didn't really quite have the code cracked yet. Yeah. But if I'm picking a Friday the 13th off the shelf to watch, part two is not going to be high on my list. Yeah. Um, at eighth position, controversially for Lee Beckman, is The New Blood. See, this I don't understand. <laughs> um, 
because the it, it did get utterly uh, destroyed by the ratings board, um, and most of the kills were edited or completely removed from the movie. Yeah. We have sort of that bullshit teaser Friday the Thirteenth going on until the climactic battle between the psychic Tina and Jason Voorhees. Yeah. Like I say, it's they, Jason is given for the first time in the series a worthy adversary, and it goes on for quite a while. She, you know, psychically wraps vines around his legs and drops a, yeah. a, a electricity in the water, strangles him, throws him through a flight of stairs, drops a house on him. Yeah. Uh, like, it turns into an action movie, and yeah. arguably that's not very Friday the 13th, but... It, I will argue. I will argue that some of them are very much action thrillers. But yes, but it in a way it became the showdown between these two supernatural beings, yeah. less so than it is about you know the ritual of watching sex and violence. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the end, the, the 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 new enough element of the story helped distract me from the MPAA doing everything it could to destroy yeah. this franchise. Um, and I, my heart goes out to the director because I really do feel like if we could see the director's cut of this movie, yeah. uh, a, a lot of your sour uh, opinion of this movie might be changed. I mean, it's still not going to be high art, yeah. but... Oh, I, I, I feel for the guy. I, yeah. I know exactly what happened to him. And I'm sure they went in with the best intentions, but the road to hell is paid with, the best, with, with the best intentions. Yeah, well, and I still, I mean, it's... It's on the bottom half of the list. It's just higher on the list than you wanted it to. I be. just wonder, even if we saw his director's cut, if you, if your opinion would have changed so much, there are little things I like about it. That one shot with the with the lightning, where Jason's in the corner, yeah. that is a good shot. Yeah, that's a good idea. I wasn't as completely sold as Carrie versus Jason, right. but. But and again, they didn't have the means to make a slasher movie anymore. They couldn't yeah. make the yeah. Friday the 13th that they had been making for six movies, so they tried this. Is it as satisfying as a lot of them? Nope. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it bothered me way less than Part 8, as yeah. far as, you know, it feeling like Friday yeah. the 13th. Uh, at number seven now, yes, Friday the 13th Part 3. In 3D. Mm. Um, my opinion of this is slightly raised when we last watched it, in, actually with the 3D goggles on, so that I can appreciate the gags. Yeah. If you watch Part 3 and you have a way to do it in 3D, that is definitely the way to do it. Otherwise, it is significant, as you say, mainly for the fact that Jason gets his hockey mask, uh, and, and that's you know an, an important p- part of the, the series. Yeah. And that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> Jason gets his hockey mask. It's the most yeah. significant event that takes place in that movie. Yeah. Um, when you watch it just without the 3D, it, it, it's like it's like one and two, but somehow it feels slower to me. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh, so there it is. At number six, all the way at number six, you will be proud for me to say. Is Jason X, Jason wow. in Space. I am surprised. He does make the, the halfway point of the series. And considering how kind of ridiculous and stupid that is... I know. I think that really says something. But it is ridiculous and stupid and fun. Yes. And that's what we're, we're, we're trying to have here while we watch these movies, is, is fun. And I think like that, that's what sort of you saying I was soured by, by the remake. I, I mean, I, I can acknowledge that it's well made and that like, talent, talent was into it, but I wasn't having fun. For some reason, I don't know what it was. Jason in space was completely stupid, but it knew it was completely stupid, yeah. and I had a smile on my face while I watched it. it there's so. no reason for that movie to be as good as it as it is, which is Somehow. strange praise. Yeah. It really is. 
Number five is the remake. Yeah. That's where I put wow. the remake at. Number five. Wow. See, um, again, the that first twenty-two minutes, if that was like a short film or just an entry on itself, yeah. number one with a bullet. Yeah. But basically, we it seems like we have two Friday the Thirteenth movies crammed here, <laughs> and um, yeah, like I said, I I just didn't in, I didn't enjoy the the slow torture porny kills to it, um, and. In an effort to make Jason real or, 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 or more realistic, I guess, yeah. they kind of, uh, I think, by making him not supernatural, had me spent a lot of the movie asking questions like, well, why, why is he doing this? If he's a real person and he's not so damaged as that he's able to live and survive, what is his, his motivation? Is it revenge? He's smart enough to, to live in this tunnel system and, and, and engage floodlights and, and set traps. But he'll kidnap somebody because they wear a pendant that reminds him of his mother and keep them strapped to a wall for yeah. six weeks. For what? Does he do a puppet show with her? Does he cuddle with her at night while he sleeps? Like, there's. It was just a plot point and a, a, and a pretty obviously dumb one. <laughs> if you kidnap somebody, you're asking for a, a ransom yeah. or you've got some sort of sinister sexual motivation or, you know. I think Martin Nispel, or Marcus, pardon me, Nispel is a talented director. Yeah. Uh, I'd kind of like to see him do an original work. It seems like anytime they're doing a high-profile remake, he gets the job for some reason. But yeah. uh, um, he's a talented director, but um, I don't know. At fourth pos- position is where I put the original, Friday the 13th. Okay. Um, it's it kind of just an origin story. It, it sets the ball rolling for the rest of the series. But it's interesting when you look at it for the fact that it, as it was made, it was not to start off its franchise. It was just... So you would put the original above the reboot? I did. I did. That's what I'm saying. I am saying the remake is at five... Uh, yeah, the remake is at part uh, at fifth place and, and the original is at fourth place. Okay. Um, again, the, like, it... it it's sort of classic template. At the time in 1980, yeah. the, the slasher movement was starting, but yeah. we hadn't seen the random group of little kids going out to an obscure location to be killed. Yeah. You know, there is no Jason until the end of the movie with the jump scare. But like yeah. I say, that the, the movie wasn't. It hadn't become what it was going to be yet. Um, this is a movie that sort of needed to be made so that we could get to where we were going. The kills are really good, and I think that it does have sort of a classic, charming feel to it. You know, it, fe- it, it it's a significant movie culturally. You know, uh, it has echoes, and um, yeah, I like it well enough. Yeah. In third position, Friday the Thirteenth Part Four, the final chapter. Wow, that's that's higher than I I put it. Okay. Um. They were trying to end the series, and they were trying to end the series on a high point. Yeah. And if it had been the end of the series, if there were no more Friday the 13th mm-hmm. after that, I would have said bravo. In yeah. fact, I would have said it was finished with the best installment of the franchise. Yeah, and it does end well. almost never happens. Yeah. Uh, they brought Savini back, um, you know, uh, amusing <laughs> performance from Crispin Glover. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's right smack in the middle of the 80s era Paramount uh, yeah. days of... Uh, when they still cared about the project. Yeah. 
and they they'd found their footing now. Everybody involved knew what a Friday the Thirteenth movie was by Part Four, mm-hmm. and everybody involved in that production did what they could to make the best damn Friday they could. And yeah. uh, is the acting wonky? Is there creaks and moans to it? Yeah, but this is one of the ones that more often than not, if I'm going to watch a Friday, will come off the shelf before yeah. a lot of the other ones. So. Yeah. There <laughs> we can. Hilarious title. Yeah. <laughs> the final chapter. They lied. Life. And here's where it gets controversial. I'm going to put Friday the 13th Part 6 wow. in second position. Wow. Um, I, I, I have a lot of fun watching that, that movie. Yeah. I, I love the pace and energy to it. Yeah. I like that there's comedy to it, but we're not. The punchline isn't the deaths. We aren't laughing at, the, yeah. at that this person died or, or how. Uh. Or, well, as a rule, we're not laughing that this person died. We're laughing just at the lightness with which things are handled. Yeah. And like you say, the the early stages that, that would get us towards Scream, where it acknowledges that this is the sixth chapter. And yeah. <laughs> a lot has come before, and likely a lot will come after. So yeah. let's all just acknowledge that we're having fun with this, you yeah. know? Um, fairly great inventive kills, and... Um, yeah. For the most part... Uh, the Bego sequence is, is pretty cool. Yeah. For the most part, people that I really liked. Uh, like, I didn't necessarily understand Tommy's motivation a lot of the time. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but it's funny. In spite of the fact that he's utterly responsible for resurrecting Jason, um, <laughs> basically all of the deaths after part six in this series are, are directly Tommy Jarvis' <laughs> fault. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Um, because not only does he bring Jason back to life, but he turns Jason into some sort of almost super he villain. He tails and runs soon after being Dr. Frankenstein. Yeah, I get it. So, um, yeah. I'm putting Freddy vs. Jason at number one because I think it's the best movie of these 12 movies. It is. I mean, like, I feel... It, it, you're, I know what you're saying. I mean, it, it, is it a Friday the 13th movie? Um, it, it, it's sort of a, a, a amalgam of the both, but... I think that more so than a, like a lot of the movies in the bottom half of this list, Jason performs like I would believe the Jason that I've come to know and love would yeah. perf- would would behave. You know, uh, they they honored both franchises with they this did. movie, and uh, at no point I didn't call bullshit necessarily on on Jason's fear of the water, especially in his dream state. Mm-hmm. Um, I think way more works than doesn't. And for a movie this convoluted and this, you know, uh, with this much working against it plot-wise when you set out of the gate, uh, you know, I went into this movie, of course I'm going to watch Freddy vs. Jason. Of course I am. But I had no real expectation of it being anything but stupid. And I was surprised. I was greatly surprised and happily surprised. Yeah. Easily. Out of all of these movies, Freddy vs. Jason is the one that I will revisit the most. Yeah. It's fast, it's pretty, it's stupid, it's got good actors, it's got good special effects, and it lives up to the promise of its title. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I really waffled on it, on, on, on how, like, can I put Freddy vs. Jason at number one if we're talking about Friday the 13th? But at the end, the list just looked wrong with it at number two. <laughs> so... It is, it is... The be- the better overall movie it is. Yeah, uh, I, I I will concede that. We have four Jerry's to give out in this Uber edition of Rankin Review. You wanted to go discuss the best Jason, right? Yes. 
Um, Kane Hodder played Jason in 7, 8, and 9. And um, I do think Kane Hodder is probably my favorite performer as Jason, but it's interesting because 7, 8, and 9 are, when we look at it, three of the worst chapters of Friday the 13th. Yeah. Um, So I'm like, well, which one do I give it for? I mean, it will piss you off, but in a way, because we get more of his face, because he spends the last sort of climactic few moments of, like, 15 minutes or so of the movie without the mask on. Mm -hmm. In part seven, The New Blood, because it's so stunt-heavy, I think that is the one where where Kane is most effectively used for his, you know, skill as a a stuntman, and we're seeing Jason, you know, taking a beating for a first time, Mm -hmm. and we're seeing Jason getting pissed off because of it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, I, I think that... That's the, the it's, but that I I honestly think the thing with Kane Hodder that made him really big with everyone is that moment when his net mask is snapped off in seven, mm-hmm. and he turns around and looks at her, mm-hmm. and he just does like his whole body heaves, and he's yeah. like, "All right, bitch, it's on." That's when yeah. everybody sat back in their seat and said, "Jason's scary again." Yeah. <laughs> you know, even in this PG silly psychic movie, Jason yeah. just got scary. So, I mean, I'm tempted to give it to that. Um, I also really like just in uh, generally speaking the Jason that we see in part six. Yeah, he's played by two different actors, but he's got an efficiency and uh, a brutality to him. Like yeah. he almost seems like a child who doesn't know his own strength in the movie. Like when he bends somebody in half or pulls off somebody's arm, he kind of looks at them like goes, "Holy shit!" <laughs> <laughs> it's great, and uh, all of the actors who've ever played Jason have to do so mutely. So yeah. uh, it's it's gonna. I'll give the prize to Kane Hodder, I guess, for part seven, um, but I think it's more of a career cumulative goal yeah. <laughs> or award for, for that. My best kill is going to be controversial because it was hard for me to limit one, and each movie has its own sort of yeah. like high watermark that Kevin Bacon killed, the yeah. bed being folded in half killed. There's like, you know, yeah. big ones. But I'm going to give it to Freddy vs. Jason for the rave massacre, I am calling it. And I know this is probably like between 6 and 12 kids that are getting killed to just one but the image of him of you know Jason coming out of that field burning with fire getting sprayed down with the keg uh, of beer so that the fire goes out and then just hacking a path through this this crowd of kids with his machete it was like yeah. uh, <laughs> it's joygasm <laughs> it really did bring genuine joy to me yeah. I don't know what that says yeah. but I remember seeing that in the theater and just sort of beaming <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So I'm going to give the best kill to the rave massacre sequence in uh, in Freddy vs. Jason. There's a lot of great kills to be ch- to choose from, but that's where I'm giving it. Uh, controversial topic here. Well, you wanted to say the best use of the female anatomy. I mean, you kind of have to give this award just because that's one of the bread and butters. Again, it is a template of the series and a template of the horror genre. When you go to see a horror movie, you're going to see things that are not safe or that you're maybe not supposed to see in normal yeah. civilized world, right? Yeah. And that means blood and that means boobs. Yeah. Um, I think the line for me is how much I feel these girls are being exploited. It's nice kind of seeing some of the behind the scenes stuff yeah. in, in, the, in, I think, part five, that girl who flashes herself in the mirror saying it's showtime. At least knowing in the behind the scenes thing that that was her idea and that she volunteered it. <laughs> That's yeah. good. What I don't like is when there's a nude scene and the, the girl is visibly uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And there's a couple of times, especially with the um, early in the series with the skinny dipping sequences, yeah. where you can tell there's a certain stiffness with which the women are removing their clothes. Mm. And to be honest, that kind of makes me uncomfortable. 
very nice. So hypocritically, I am going to give the Best Nudity Award to the remake of Friday the 13th. As much as I was like uh, slapping my forehead and saying how crazy, over-the-top, basic instinct, softcore porn, that, that yeah. big sex scene is at the end, and I still stand by that. It is way too, too much. Yeah. I believe both the actress in that sequence and the actress at the the, the prologue, yeah. is, uh, Sex in the Tent, both knew exactly what the movie was that they were making, yeah. and both came to it okay with it. Yeah, you can't, you couldn't spend that much time on set in that state of uh, yeah. you know undress, I think, and not be uh, you know. They brought their at, A game when it came. To that. They they were at peace with it. They knew what they were making, and they they said okay. In a way that makes it work better. I mean, say what you will about that ridiculous sex scene with Brie. Uh, they went all out. They, they committed 100%. They it just belonged in a different movie. Yeah. Uh, like, this is Skinamax. This is something that fucking 14-year-old boys should be spanking it to. Yeah. Uh, you know? Like, I don't know. So, um... I don't, I don't mind nudity in these movies. I don't mind sex in the movies. Like, I, I, it doesn't, you know, shame me. It doesn't make me, you know, feel embarrassed for watching the movies. Yeah. As long as I feel like it's done in that, you know. Everybody involved knows why it's there. Nobody's yeah. being exploited. Nobody is, you know, going to spend the rest of her life thinking, what if my gram sees this? Yeah. You know, like... It was gross and way too much, but I don't think that those girls were exploited. I okay. think they were okay into it. And for the final uh, award that we're giving out for this episode, the what the fuck moment. And there's no shortage of what the fuck moments. <laughs> well, actually, no, I'm just going to give special mention to Crispin Glover's dance in part four. Yeah. That spastic, weird dance that he does, which is apparently just Crispin Glover. It wasn't something he directed to do yeah. it wasn't a character thing that it's was 100 percent crispin Glover. and it is a sight to behold it is very strange and yeah. like almost cringeworthy you almost kind of want to hide under your chair while that scene is going on yeah. the fact that he still manages to get laid after that impressive display i just would have loved to seen the face on the other actor who was like the femur counterpart and yeah. just the look on her face as that started so i'm going to give a special mention to that yeah. but for genuinely like the what the fuck moments i'm going to give a tie and it belongs to Jason Goes to Hell the two things that I'm going to make reference to is the scene in the jail cell where the bounty hunter is exchanging information for breaking this guy's fingers one at a time uh, there's no reason for him to do that. It makes him a really hateful and stupid and strange person. And over and above that, I mean, again, I hate to talk continuity, continuity in Friday the 13th, but that character who has all the fingers broken in his hand spends the rest of the movie firing guns, fist-fighting Jason, yeah. you know, it, completely unfettered by the fact that he all is. of the fingers in his but hand... At least three <laughs> broken fingers. Yeah, at least three. And... Um, yeah, and also from the same movie, the, I mean, they they crib that thing from the hidden where the the evil slug like entity of Jason is is going from mouth to mouth to body to body. Yeah. But there was that one scene where it turned into like like almost like a half demon figure, and it was scurrying around on the floor, and it entered the corpse of Jason Voorhees' sister yeah. laying on the floor, and that was the moment where I was like, okay, what am I, what am I watching, you guys? Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, what the fuck? So yeah. that's where my what the fuck award goes. Um, 
were there many other things to nominate and to talk about for what the fuck? Yes, but oh, that's where I put it. Uh, so it's your turn for the awards. Well, best what, Jason, best kill, best nudity, and what the. This fuck was about? hard because I almost I agree with you that Kane Hodder is the sole reason to have any enjoyment out of number seven. Hmm. Um, he does earn his paycheck, um, and I bounce back and forth. I just I don't like seven so much that it, it was just hard to put to say anything overly positive about number seven. So I couldn't put Kane Hodder, who was Jason for four of the films, I think. Yes, seven, eight, nine, and ten. And ten, yeah. Um, his his interpretation of Jason is quite good, but I think all around, once again, it has to go to part six. He's swift. He's merciless, or uh, me, mer- merci- merciless. Merciless. Thank you. Um, he's fun. Um, it's it's the first real zombie Jason as well. Yeah. You know they set the bar. All right, he's been resurrected. He's by got, lightning. By <laughs> lightning, he's got goo coming out of his body. This thing will not die. Yeah. This Jason overall is just outright awesome. So so there you go. Part six. Right. Best Jason. Best kill. The torture-like violence in, in the reboot doesn't disturb me as much. Mm-hmm. It, it, it makes it effective. That's And really, it's two kills, but that sleeping bag trap, that is just... It made, it made me realize that Jason planned it, <laughs> and he, he wanted the young man to suffer, to see the girl that I would like to think that he at least really likes and loves slowly dying in front of him, and he can't do a thing. Because the flesh off his leg is essentially gone. He's no longer just killing trespassers. He's punishing them. Yeah. And um, the first few people that he kills off until it's just, you know, not letting any of them get away. Yeah. He draws it out as much as he can, it yeah. seems. Yeah. And it's... Like, that, that, that death stays with you. Like, you are affected by that. <laughs> um, and I, 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 I'm trying to think, like, another death that really raised that kind of... Oh my god. And you can't. Yeah. You can't. I, I I love the fact that you mentioned the raver scene because I was grinning ear to ear with you when I saw that. <laughs> yeah. It was like, it's so beautiful. <laughs> it's, and even how it starts. I have <laughs> tears in my eyes. What's happening to me? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that stoner getting it. It's just like, yeah. <laughs> but like I said, that, that opening sequence with the sleeping bag, it's so painful to watch her die <laughs> you just like wow wow so i don't know that best kill it, it still does it for me yeah that character didn't feel as real world to me i mean i would like to believe that there are women like that that exist who yeah. are so like both incredibly attractive and seem to run on a currency of pure sexuality <laughs> like, yeah. it was all that woman could do to keep her boobs in her shirt <laughs> you know? like i don't know if these women really exist in the world but if they do uh, rank and review at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. I'm sure your wife would like that. She's not going to listen to this. Who are you kidding? Okay. Uh, best use of the female anatomy. <laughs> I agree with you that that I'm sure a lot of the women reluctantly, I mean, I'm sure they got paid rather well, but you can tell that they were uncomfortable yeah. throwing off their shirt. And that, that does kill it for me. It does. It does really sort of like, yeah. um, I think they did an ingenious way doing it as well as mocking it 
is that holodeck scene uh, in Jason 10. Yeah. <laughs> and the fact that Jason takes it in the sleeping bag and proceeds to whack them back and forth, yeah. which is not the first time he's done that. No. It was a nice callback. Yeah. Uh, for just just in case people don't remember what we're talking about here. Yeah. In the the holodeck, they tried to uh, recreate 1980 yeah. uh, Crystal Lake for Jason to, to buy themselves some time yeah. to escape. And yes, two very attractive camp counselors appear before Jason. Yeah. One holding a six pack of beer, the other one smoking a joint. Yeah. They both simultaneously <laughs> strip their shirts off and say, Would you like to have some, some pre- uh, premarital, premarital sex? sex or we love premarital sex. sex. Yeah. Um, it was acknowledging uh, the entire series for yeah. everything, both good and bad, was celebrated in that yeah. moment. And you wanted actors that did not look uncomfortable. They were totally it. cool with it. <laughs> they were totally cool with it. <laughs> and to which I applaud all three. Yeah. <laughs> the fact that the scene ends with them giggling as they're beaten to death yeah. in their sleeping bags. Ow! Ow, Ow stop that! <laughs> Best what the fuck moment. And yes, Jason Goes to Hell has at least two. To yeah. which you go, what? <laughs> and there's probably a whole lot more. Yeah. But ladies and gentlemen, once again, I bring it back to two words. Crispin Glover. There's more than just the dance sequence that you go, what? (laughs) The whole imaginary computer thing, you're like, what? But every single time before that dance sequence starts, you're just like, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Crispin Glover. Stop what you're doing. (laughs) Even if you're doing some sort of mathematical equation, stop. And behold the beauty of Crispin Glover. Crispin Glover, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> Just, wah. Yes, uh, I'm a fan of Crispin Glover, too. He's, and again, I, I don't know that I think he's an amazing actor, but he's always an inter- interesting presence. Yes. Um, just to give one more throwaway for what the fuck, as it just popped into my head when you were talking about it. I don't think we can really overstate how stupid and bizarre and what the fuck the climactic moments of Jason versus uh, Jason Goes to Manhattan is. The whole thing about the sewers being flushed with oh, toxic yeah, no, waste, I mean, that's... and Jason speaking for the first and only time in the series before he is melted into his child self—like, yeah. good God, you guys, yeah. that's, that's just bad. Yeah. I mean, people on set had to know that was bad when, while they were shooting it. But yeah. so we've come to the end. Any regrets? Um, <laughs> is your dog not... still alive? Take Marley's pulse. Yeah, he's still here. I feel very tired, <laughs> but I knew I would be. I, I I don't think I if I see Grizzly over the top of death, it'll be too soon. <laughs> along with big-breasted women, um, I'm glad I did this. I think it's going to be a while before I watch a Friday the Thirteenth <laughs> film now. But well, maybe uh, maybe uh, my next birthday we can tackle a different franchise or something. But yeah. uh, I thought it was it's a very nice way to sort of celebrate the one year anniversary of ranking review. So thank you for doing that. My pleasure. Uh, enjoy slashing and hacking and boobery, kids. Friday the 13th may not be high art, but it is what it is. And uh, I am no longer ashamed to call myself a fan. Yeah. Success, victory, Lee and Larry versus Jason Voorhees, and we'll let the listeners decide who won there. Um, so I hope you guys enjoyed this very special edition of Rank and Review. For the record, uh, aside from the Freddy versus Jason in Part Five, 
the other Friday the 13th films may show up again on Rank and Review in our other regular episodes. This was a very special sort of edition in which we explored one franchise. And um, maybe we'll do it again someday. In the meantime, I'd just like to thank everyone again for tuning in to Rank and Review. This is Larry Parsons, your host and random Canadian. As usual, you can find us on Facebook, you can find us on iTunes, and you can write us at rankandreview at gmail.com. Thanks, you guys. Thank you.